Welcome to the Clueless at the Work podcast, where we talk through a framework for being successful in your job. My name is Anthony Garone, and I'll be hosting this show with some friends who are experts in helping people grow. The content is based on my book, Clueless at the Work, Advice from a Corporate Tyrant, which is published by Stairway Press. You can find out more at cluelessatthework.com. All right, welcome back to the Clueless at the Work podcast. Today's guest is one of my favorite people on this planet, and his name is Adam Smith. And I got to know him a few years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but several. It would have been maybe about 10 now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. More than that. Yeah, I think it's more than 10, and and he's just the best. And I'm super excited to have him here because he is a master at storytelling and at personal transformation, and he's been through so much. So, Adam, thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I, um, I'm blushing a little bit as I was hearing you uh, introduce me. And um, I, I mean, instantly, when you asked me if I wanted to jump on, uh, it was just a no-brainer for me. I, I, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. And, um, you know, anytime I'm, I'm in town, cause now, I mean, we used to live right across the street from each other, right. literally. Yep. Um, but now even anytime I'm in town or you're in town, it's like, what do I have to do? It doesn't matter what time <laughs> of night it is. I want to, I want to drive to where you are That's right. just for conversation. That's because right. It's always interesting and fun and entertaining. And, um, I like the way your brain works. And so like, it's just a privilege to get to like, whether we're recording or not, I just want to have conversations with you. So (laughs) (laughs) I know. And we've had so many that have been good. I'm glad we're finally recording one, but um, yes. (laughs) So let's get this started because I'm sure people are trying to uh, fast forward through us um, (laughs) loving on each other. So Adam, (laughs) why don't you tell, uh, tell the audience a little about yourself um, you know, what you're currently doing for work and maybe some of your professional history and, um, and then we'll start talking about transformation stuff. Yeah. Um, well, currently I work at a, um, an organization called South Hills church. And so I'm one of the, uh, the teaching pastors here and we're uh, like a Christian organization really focused on, uh, kind of a niche thing, which is, um, creating church for people who hate church. Um, and so, which a lot of people hear that and they're like, is there a market for that? Not really. Um, and so we're, we're creating one. Um, and so I, I teach and I also do a lot of the, the branding and creative design here as well. We were a, a multi-site organization, so we've got 11 locations now. And, and I do a lot of the content creation that goes out to all of those locations. So um, I do that right now. And uh, man, in my past lives, I worked as a youth pastor at a, at a mega church, and that's where actually I met Anthony um, and uh, did that for, man, six years there. And that was a, a multi-campus situation too, and worked with teenagers and ran summer camps and uh, all kinds of good stuff there. And then before that, uh, I ran a, a small little filmmaking design startup and got a chance to... Um, do a lot of design work and make short films, do commercials, um, and work with different clients to try and figure out how to tell stories and get their product out there. 
And uh, then before that, I went to seminary. So not super linear uh, <laughs> in terms of like when you're as you're going backwards through it. Um, but I think that's the way a lot of life works. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've I've gotten to do a lot of interesting things, and I think um, that's one of the things that. Uh, I think that one of the things that we like about each other is we're interested in a lot of different types of things and can't really be pinned down to one specific, you know, interest or one thing that really defines us. And, and, uh, I think that's like a kinship that we have. Absolutely. So we have this book clueless at the work Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is centered around the idea of going from clueless cluelessness to known cluelessness. It's the idea (laughs) that you, uh, you go from realizing or thinking that you have a clue to realizing you have no idea what you're doing in general, and you're just winging it for the most part. So I would like to find out if you have any sort of stories, which I know you do, uh, where you went from believing you were competent to realizing you had a long way to, to be who you wanted to become. Man, I feel like I have a million of those moments. Um, in my life. And I think specifically because I really like trying new things and challenging myself. And I think, uh, so I have those moments a lot where, um, and, you know, maybe you have two where I, I, I think there's a lot of these times where I got excited about doing something and had some sort of belief in myself. And then of course, uh, one of the prerequisites to get a job or to get someone to let you do something is you have to talk them into it. And so in the process of talking someone into hiring you or funding you or giving you a shot at something, you are really talking yourself up in a way where you're like, I kind of believe a lot of this. But then once you get the opportunity and it's granted to you, I think one of the most vivid moments of that was when I I got an opportunity to my first job to oversee all of these students in this huge youth ministry. And it was not a job I'd had before. I'd run a a small, you know, ad agency. And it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to work with students. I wanted to work with youth and like underprivileged teenagers. And I'd never really had like, you know, a staff that reported to me before. I had now was given a whole building that I oversaw and there was like four offices in it. And there were multiple, you know, things that happened, events and services and um, there was four employees that were supposed to report to me. I had this big budget that I'd never really had before um, that I was solely responsible for. And I had sold them on the fact that I could do this job. And I was like pretty confident that I could do it. And I remember getting there and going through all the HR stuff and sitting down in my office the very like first day of actually working. And it was this huge office with the, had this giant corner desk. And the desk was like, it was a ridiculous like lawyer's desk from a movie. You know what I mean? The giant mahogany bookshelf that's connected <laughs> to it. And it's like wraps around you and it's absurd. And I had this little tiny laptop and I remember sitting at the laptop and I had this yellow pad and it was me. There was nothing on the bookshelves. There was nothing in the <laughs> office. It was me and the laptop and the yellow pad. And I remember sitting there and literally saying out loud, like, okay, so what now? Like I just genuinely had no idea what I was supposed to be doing, like from a day-to-day basis. Like I knew that there were certain objectives that I was supposed to hit or certain things that were going to be expected of me, but that didn't mean that I understood what I was supposed to be doing Monday through Friday. 
and I was in this office and I really, I just had kind of that moment of like, I have no idea what somebody who has this job actually does to accomplish the things they're supposed to. And then feeling the panic of, you can't tell anyone that they just <laughs> hired you. Like, you mean like I, you just tricked like a, them into hiring yeah, you? And it was like I had that feeling like I was a fraud, and like I'd maybe done something wrong. But it's like I hadn't lied to anyone. I haven't. But it's just like the I think the the difference between like believing that you can accomplish a certain goal, but then having not really thought through all of the action steps that and hurdles that you're going to have to accomplish to do that, and not really knowing. And not really having seen really much of it behind the scenes in action. I've seen, I'd seen the on stage stuff. I'd seen someone, you know, do the thing, but I hadn't seen all the work that went into getting ready to do the thing. And so I think that was the part that I realized I didn't know what to do with that and feeling scared. It's like uh, Um, the, the stage part of it is the tip of the iceberg, but the rest of the iceberg Everything under the water is stuff that nobody tells you about. No. And you're just left to either discover it or realize, oh, this is just like the last thing I did. But when you don't have that last thing, it's everything is a discovery. Everything is is a surprise. Right. And I think, too, it's like you talk about like nobody really tells you how they do what they do. I think that's a big mystery um, in almost any field. And again, it's not I went to school. Like I had gotten an education, I'd done an internship, like I'd been a part of an organization like this organization. I just never had this particular job and felt the pressures of that position and known what that person did day to day. And, you know, it's that moment where you're like, I literally went to four years of school and nobody talked about how to do the actual work. And that's one of the things I, I really like about your book is because I'm like, why isn't this just the college course? <laughs> like, wasn't this? This is the part that nobody talks about, and this is the essential stuff that I think really makes or breaks whether or not you are successful. It you reminds know? me um, of when you have your first kid, and then people are like, "Oh my goodness, you're having your first child. Let us, you know, let us provide all of these gifts, and we'll support you with meals, and we're going to help you out." And then you have your third kid, and they're like, "Oh, you had another kid. That's cool." But it, the the need <laughs> the need is totally inverted. Like you yep. need their help by the third kid. The first yep. kid, it's like you look back when you have your second kid or third kid, and you're like, oh, one kid that was so easy, because you didn't know what you didn't know. And I think it's the same thing with a lot of the jobs that we take. We especially when we're like stretching, you know, we're on our tiptoes to get that position. Yeah, you, you end up promising the world and then realizing like. Wow, I, I, they gave me an inch and I'm taking a mile, whereas I thought it was the other mm-hmm. way around when I was applying, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I lo- it's like I love people who stand on their tiptoes yeah. to reach for something that's because right. I just – I feel like that is – that is the – that's kind of the um, the source of all growth and like being stretched and discovering who you are and and um, and also like – creating new amazing things that you didn't know you were capable of and neither did the organization of the field. Right. But, you know, at the same time, I don't think a lot of us have a lot of access to just the practical, you know, the practical stuff of like, I I feel like now that I'm older, the more the conversations um, I have with people are like, 
tell me about your day. Like, what do you, what do you do? You know, like, and then people want to start telling me like big pictures of like, no, 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 the minutia. Like, I want to know, like, like what, you know what I mean? Like, do you lay out your clothes or do you pick them that morning? Like, do you, you know what I mean? Do you have, do you know what your food is going to be? Or do you have, do you deliver it? Do you bring a sack lunch? Like why, why that decision is because it's more efficient because it saves time because this, you know what I mean? Like, why do you do the meeting this way and not that way? How come you, you spend time studying this on this day and not that day? Why do you split your workups, workouts up like that? Like, those are the things I feel like I'm fascinated about now that I'm like approaching 40, you know, and I've been, I've done a lot of different jobs of realizing like, man, somebody who's figured out how to hack that, all that little stuff to, um, like that becomes the big stuff where they've got, they've got kind of this rhythm in their life that's empowering them to do all the other stuff. And there's a lot of other people who are just kind of a hot mess and they have these moments of brilliance, but no, there's no consistency. There's no reliability. And and now that I'm like an employer, it's like, that is everything like, yeah, right. you know, consistency, reliability. I don't care if you can do something amazing one time out of 10 times, like, that is not a skill. It's a magic trick. And I can't pay for that. Like, <laughs> that's not, I can't ba- bank on that, you know? And, and, and even if I were to be able to take that kind of a risk on somebody, the emotional cost of wondering, is this is going to be the time that they have a meltdown or they can't keep it together? They're going to be late or they're going to whatever. And so it's like, I'm interested in, you know, both for me and to like try and pass on to the people that like, I'm, I'm looking to partner with, like, how do you do the nuts and bolts of your life? Because that says a lot about like what you're going to be able to deliver here long term. And that's the big stuff. That little stuff is really the big stuff. What are the systems that you have implemented? Because you've, I mean, you've had spiritual transformation, physical transformation, mental transformation. um, And I can think of several examples in each of those categories. But um, I know that over the years you've gone, you've gotten a lot more disciplined and a lot more systematic and you have things working for you in the background. So can you share what, what you might have been like, you know, 10, maybe 15 years ago, getting started in your career and what you have in place to take care of those things now? Yeah, I mean, I, gosh, I wonder if you feel like this at all, but I look it's hard sometimes to look back at like 10, 15 years ago because I just want to get in a time machine and go shake that kid. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I just feel like, and it's not that I wasn't accomplishing things right. or that I wasn't talented or gifted and didn't have moments like really bright spots of like where I look back and I'm like, wow, that I, I really did something magic there. But they were f- kind of f- far apart and I was like just, like a hot mess in between. And I, I didn't know how to balance everything out. So it was like, it was extreme sacrifice, you know, so I could pull off something that was, that I felt proud of and that I thought was amazing or really clicked in my field. But then at what cost? And it's like, well, gosh, what, what it cost was I, I, I had to gain this much weight and I had to kind of put my, you know, my romantic relationship on hold and I really wasn't paying attention to my kids for this, you know, and I look at all that kind of stuff and I'm like, gosh, I don't, what, I don't, I paid too much, you know, for that one little moment. And then of course the, the longer, the further that moment is in the rear view for me, 
the less impressive it seems. You know, at the time, it seemed like such a big deal. Right. Um, and then when I paid for it, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that back. You know, so I, I just think I, there was a lot of ups and downs for me. Like, I just didn't really have a lot of like, I think a lot of, of us now and a lot of people who are hitting their, you know, what, 15 years ago would have been, you know, 25 and coming into my first real big job where I had a lot of responsibility and was managing a big budget and a lot of expectations and people looking to me for things. And I just didn't have a lot of tools to know how to like manage I manage my life and manage like the work. And so I, I think like what I, what I feel like I've learned in the meantime is to pay really close attention to like my daily, weekly, um, and quarterly rhythms in my life and, and really become attuned with the kind of person that I am and, and how that's different maybe from other people and what I need to to uh, keep myself in like a healthy place. Because I think like what I did early on, I would self-sabotage a lot, but I didn't see it as self-sabotage. And so then I blamed everyone else, right? I blame my boss. I blame the stupid board that won't fund me. I blame, you know, the, uh, the volunteers who aren't stepping up the way they should, as opposed to like taking accountability for, the way in which I really didn't give my boss all the information he needed to make the best decision because I assumed that he would know everything that's in my head unjustly or the volunteers didn't step up because I didn't really envision them well because I just was just hoping that they would just have the passion I do automatically. And it's like, of course they're not. I conned them into helping me do this thing or whatever it is, you know, um, or, you know, assuming that somebody should just give me money to do the thing I think is awesome. Um, without, ha you know, having to feel responsible for, well, what, why would, what, what, what incentive would they have for doing that? And, and, and just facing the reality that seemed too shallow for me at 25, that people want to know like, well, what's in it for me? And that's a valid question for like an investor to have. So I think for me, like take slowing down and being like, if I'm not like physically and emotionally healthy and I don't have an, an accurate self-portrait of who I am and the way I function, I'm going to do a lot of blame shifting and a lot of, um, you know, sloughing off responsibility and accountability for things and buying into the, 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 whatever story I'm telling myself about why it's everybody else's fault. And, um, I just, that's such a, uh, I, I feel like a lot of people get trapped into that. Um, it's a bummer now that I'm a boss. And I watch like employees who <clears throat> they're like, well, you and this and the system and man, it's just the machine. And it's like so funny hearing things like that. And I'm like, man, it's really none of those things. It's not unreasonable for a boss to expect you to show up on time or be prepared for a meeting or have a positive attitude about what we're all here to do together. Like right. these are base level things. And and the, the big thing for me that affects a lot of those things is, um, you know, how I'm doing um, in a lot of the areas that don't affect work. I bring all that stuff with me to work. And I was just kind of living, I think, in a lot of ways for my work and not taking care of myself personally in a lot of ways and not realizing like that 
personal bankruptcy, I drug into work with me and was pulling the whole thing down. And I, I, again, like I was still able to accomplish things, but just at what price, you know? So I think now, um, some things that are really a big deal to me is realizing, um, and the bummer about a lot of this stuff is it's like, it's stuff that I remember now having conversations maybe with my dad about, where I was like, you're old. You don't know what you're talking about. You know? <laughs> and just realizing like, I don't know. There was a lot to that. Like just the idea of like the value of getting up early, earlier than I need to, to take care of me. Um, which, you know, for me looks like, um, like going to the gym early in the morning, which is something I've done for several years now. And at first it was, I did it because I needed to get my blood pressure, cholesterol, all that kind of stuff under control, lose some weight. Now it's entirely for the, uh, just the mental clarity (laughs) that I get from the first thing I do, getting up and doing something that is physically grueling that I don't feel like doing as a discipline that I do five days a week. Um, and getting up early enough to make that happen, um, so that I can still get to work on time, uh, when I'm expected to be there. And part of the reason why I do that is because, um, there's going to be a lot of things I don't want to do at work during the day. And I can use the dopamine endorphin release of the exercise in the morning. Um, and, uh, one of the things I, I started off doing that going to, in the worst way, going to a boot camp in the back alley. Remember the first day I showed up and I was like, is this even a real thing? Is this, am I going to get, is something going to happen? Is someone going to attack me and steal my Prius? Um, <laughs> I, I was afraid. And, and then my wife was like, no one wants that dumb Prius. Um, and so I went to this thing and it was, it was so, it was so hard. And I remember one day trying to get through this. It was like a, where there's like a workout with different stations and stuff and trying to get through it and just hating it. It was like six in the morning and just feeling angry and about to throw up. And just, I was so out of shape. I think it was three weeks into it and probably about a hundred pounds heavier than I am now. So, I mean, it was like really the beginning of, of a a determination to, to try and transform my life and my body and my health. And I remember the guy said, like, you can do this. And when, and he goes, when you push through this moment that you want to die in the middle of, you will have, you will go into work having already done the hardest thing you will do all day. And there was something about that that has always just stuck with me when I go in and I'm dealing with just somebody that I don't want to deal with at work or a project that's complicated and frustrating. I remember that I already did this really impossible thing that I I thought I couldn't do. And I already pushed past that. And I already took care of something that was a big deal that's going to help me move throughout the rest of my day. And there's something about what that does, I think, to me psychologically that makes me better at being at my job. And And people that work with me can tell. And um, that has been a big – that's been a big deal thing for me. Um, and I would say another piece of that is really just time blocking my whole life of like not really operating off of just like I used to have in my early twenties, just you probably remember this, like yellow pads with just lists everywhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> and just what a train wreck system. <laughs> and, um, if, if you I, can call it a system. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think it is. I think it's just like a, um, 
I think it's it's a non system that gives you uh, the the security of having a system. It's the way in which like a like a security blanket feels like armor for people, and it's like <laughs> you know that's wool. Something could pierce right through that thing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that was the notepads to me, right? And just realizing like, and I again, there's something about getting like I do think there's something beneficial about brain dumping into a piece of paper. But that can't be the governing system to actually get stuff done and manage your life. Like that's that becomes too much. And so really instead figuring out the categories of things that I need to do on a consistent basis and and figuring out like where my energy is at different parts in the day. And that was a big thing too, like mapping my own energy and realizing like I'm not a morning person. Like now with that said, I still get up at, you know, 530 every day to go to the gym. What I mean by I'm not a morning person isn't that I can't get up early because everybody can train their body to do whatever they need it to do. What I mean is I'm not pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not pleasant in the morning. My wife is pleasant in the morning, right? We can both get up at 530, but the interactions you have with the two of us is very, very different. And so like um, in terms of mapping my own energy, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to have a bunch of breakfast meetings and a bunch of like interactions and like big like meetings where I need to impress people in the morning because I'm not impressive. I'm, I'm in a foul mood. I'm upset. And so like, I, you know, I go to the gym and I do, I, I block off office work where it's just me in my office and I can check things off a list that are, uh, that need to be done. Um, and don't require me to interact with other people to do them because I'm not really in that mood, uh, man. I hit lunchtime and I, now I've got all this energy for people. And so that's a great time for me to have meetings and things like that. And I think like over time I realized, Oh, I don't want to put a lot of meetings in the morning because uh, you know, I end up steamrolling people, you know, my colleagues, because I just want to get it over with. Cause I don't want to be around people. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I don't like mornings or I'm just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And then later, I've greenlit something accidentally <laughs> that later people are going to come back and be like, they, you, that's what you wanted. And I was like, that didn't count. It was in the morning. <laughs> um, and so just realizing like, uh, you know, blocking my schedule with like, I, this is a, something that I have to do once a month. I'm going to do it always in this time block. This is something I have to do once a week or once a day and really figuring out when those blocks are and giving myself a little bit of wiggle room in the middle and even planning in distractions for myself of, you know, I'm going to force myself to be focused in this way from this time to this time on this particular task. I'm going to get as much as I can done on that thing. And then I'm going to reward myself with a, with a break of, you know, whatever it is. And I, I, my wife makes fun of me about this, but it's a really like a a effective tool for me is I, everything goes in my calendar. Like everything is in there because then I just live through a series of prompts because I'm enormously distractible and I get sidetracked. And I, I think, um, you know, learning that I, I don't like, I didn't at first when I was younger, like the constraints, but really realizing that those things set me free in a lot of ways because, um, a, nobody put them on me. I chose what I was going to do in those blocks um, and how much time I was going to give each thing. And, um, I can move it anytime I want to, but this is the experiment. I I say this a lot. Like this is the experiment I'm enacting 
for this quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not forever, but I'm also not going to change it this week because that's not enough time for me to collect data and know if it's working for my life. You know, it so, reminds me of that great Martin Luther quote. I have so much to do today. I need to spend the first three hours of the day praying, you know? Yeah. And we think that we're busy and that's good and the day will take care of itself, but that's not true. And -hmm. it's like you're saying you need to be prepared. You need to, you need to know that yes, you can get things done, but is that the way you want to get things done? Yeah. And you see it at companies all the time. They, the cost of getting the thing done is so great mm-hmm. that you can lose money. They call it the winner's curse. You know, like you yep. win a great deal and then what? Then you end up doing the deal and you're losing money just so, just because you didn't think about how to get it done. Mm-hmm. Winning, winning is such a short term thinking or, you know, a sign of short term thinking. The win is the smallest part of winning Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know well you need to have a system in place to enable you to win effectively and it goes into the book like there's a section in the book practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect yeah yeah and it's like that thing of working on the things that you really struggle with you know and finding that thing where you're pushing just beyond what is what is comfortable or what is you're used to and i think even even in those time blocking things like i know right now like i i have i have to give you know sermons and speeches and leadership talks and stuff and so a lot of my time has to be writing and wordsmithing and research and <clears throat> how to put things together and rehearsing those things and i know like a writing session for me like about an hour and a half is where i start to kind of lose focus so it's in my schedule right now is an hour 45 because I'm trying to train myself to like really fight through that last 15 minutes of pain to expand that from I can focus for this long to I can I can focus for a little bit longer. And it's the same like principle and like, you know, running or weightlifting or whatever. It's like this is my max. How can I push it a little bit more. It's not just showing up and lifting the same amount of weight every day. It's lifting a little bit more and a little bit more and kind of stretching and expanding that thing that you want to get good at. And I think for me, figuring out how to program that into my schedule, and then I don't have to think about when I'm doing what. I'm just following the prompts. And the prompts are forcing me to get better or to focus longer or to be more disciplined in, in certain areas, or even for me, which is sometimes a problem, knowing when to go home and just to be done. Like I'm done, not because the project's done or because I love where this thing is leaving off, but because it's time to leave today. And I put in the focused energy that I said I was going to put in. And like, this is really important right now, but I'm not going to remember this dumb project in five years, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember like the the connection I had with my family during this time, and whether or not like I got diabetes that year because I wasn't taking care of my body. You know what I mean? Like it's right. like all these things that we that we sell out in order to get a win we're never gonna remember, and it's just so ridiculous. It is totally ridiculous, and I feel like it's really easy to 
to get into that whirlpool of lies and you it's like this maelstrom it's it it pulls you in through its gravity and you think it's attractive and it's a complete mirage and when you realize it was a mirage you're looking at the next one going yeah that's where i want to go but yeah. it's all bs and that's what's mm-hmm. astounding to me and that's where the word clueless you know it, it originates in many many ways you know where i've realized the stupid things that I constantly do, the patterns in my life that are so counterproductive yet seductive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I found that, like, it, it's the same thing. I've got to get this video done. I've got to get this project done. I've got to get this thing written. And it's on my mind all the time. And then when it's done, I'm like, well, that wasn't that good. Or, you know, three weeks mm-hmm. later, I forgot that I even did it. So, I feel yep. like I'm not chasing I'm not chasing what I think I'm chasing and maybe I am just chasing the dopamine rush or the you know the idea that I'm bolstering my own yeah. sort of portfolio so I can feel better about myself. Mm. But like it's very difficult to articulate the the true value, the long-term value of any of the work that we do when we don't know who we are, when we don't know what our motivations are, you know, when we don't understand how to manage ourselves and we let the work manage us. Yeah. I like one of the things that this is reminding me of, like one of the things I started doing this year, my boys are getting older and this is going to sound hilarious to you because you know, I've never been like a sports, a sports games guy. Um, (laughs) But uh, like, you know, I decided with my sons who have both really gotten involved in like soccer and they're getting interested in sports of like, okay, this is like a thing we're going to do to bond together of like, we're going to watch like the Lakers are in our backyard. You know, we live next to LA. I had a buddy who had Lakers tickets last year and he let us go to a few games and it was a ton of fun and my boys loved it. And they're fired up that LeBron's, you know, on the Lakers this year. Mm. And so we watched the Lakers on Wednesday nights. It's like something that we do together. And then of course that has made them interested in maybe catching another basketball game on TV here and there. And it's this thing that we've, like bonded over and they look forward to. And as you know, and I know you can understand this as a dad of boys, it's like the older they get, the more you realize just how truly awkward all boys are as they (laughs) grow to be men. And you're looking for these moments of how to connect. And, um, one of the things that I like that I thought was so interesting the other night we were watching, uh, we were watching a game and, and, uh, it was the Minnesota Timberwolves who are, you know, one of the highest ranked teams right now. And my boys were really excited because they wanted to see this their star player, the Greek freak. They wanted to see him play. And he sat out. Mm. He sat out the game. And they're like, is he injured? Is he whatever? And it's like, no, he's not injured. He's just He just doesn't need to play this one. <laughs> like his team can win without him. And he just doesn't need it. So he's going to get his rest. And he's going to sit this one out. And just thinking about that idea of like, I think sometimes – you know, especially when you're younger, you feel like you need to play every game and win every game and make a amazing play every game, you know, at work and every presentation has to, and you're being evaluated on the last magical thing you just did. And it's like the people who really are confident superstars are people who know when it's like, I'm going to set this one out. I'm going home early today. Right. Like, and it's not the fact that they are not invested because the guy is the only reason why their team is doing well 
but he understands like he's not going to be at the end of his life evaluated on every little individual game. It's the sum total of, you know, how he played. And I, I think like just thinking about my life and the things I do, it's like, every presentation doesn't need to be the greatest, most inventive thing in the world. And sometimes there are other things going on in my life. And, you know, um, I forget who said it, but like, you know, no art is, is ever done. It's just due, you know, it's just time to turn it in. Right. And it's like, I think they're like, I think when I was younger, it was like, no, I don't, I don't want to believe that. So it's like, I'm gonna stay up all night. I'm gonna stay late. I'm gonna go. And it's like, for me now, I'm like, and that is how much time I have. That is going to be as good as it is going to be tomorrow. (laughs) It is time to go to a soccer practice. You know, it is time to take my wife on a date, you know what I mean? And, and leaving it behind. But the time I was there, I was focused. I wasn't distracted. I really did give it my best shot for the time I had to invest in it. And that is going to have to be enough for now. And, um, and trusting that over time, there'll be a story that'll be told about like, man, consistent. That guy was consistent. You know, I think that's what people end up remembering. Mm -hmm. I think the greatest realization is that you are not necessary. When you have like, when you've built a system that works for you, you become unnecessary and Mm -hmm. there is no greater freedom than realizing the thing you care about can be managed by other people because you've mm-hmm. done a good job and you can't get there until you've you've mastered it so mm-hmm. you can't just check out and go and eh, they'll take care of it because that's lazy you know that's like yep, that's not teamwork but when you as the master or the leader or whatever it is when you see they're on the right path and i'm not going to be able to really contribute so i can go focus on some other high value thing Mm-hmm. To me, it's like it's only something you can realize when you're older, when you're more experienced, and it's a blessing that we are all afraid of when we're young. Like, what if yeah. they don't include me in that meeting? Twenty years later, becomes thank goodness they didn't bring me in on that meeting. They didn't oh, need me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible, but we—it's not something you can appreciate until you've gone through <laughs> the cluelessness. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, th- I think one of the things that I've had to tell myself, because I think that is one of the things I think about getting older is that, you know, the older you get and you start to like realize certain things, the more frustrated I become about people who haven't figured it out yet, you know? Yeah. Yep. And like reminding myself, like there's certain things that you like ha- have to go through in order to know. Now you can speed up that process by forcing yourself through it quicker mm-hmm. and by, you know, being around mentors that are going to tell you the truth and by obviously the type of stuff you do and read and whatever. But it's like, there's no way, like even, you know, I'm, I'm bumping up against it with my own kids and it's like, they do certain things and I'm like, Oh, so like, it's just such a preteen thing to do. It's so <laughs> annoying. Like, why can't they understand, you know, and it sounds so dumb. But my wife is just like, yeah, you can't skip puberty. Right. Like you had it, you have to do it. Like, um, you can do it well or you can do it poorly, but you can't not do it. Like you got to go through that kind of clueless phase. And I think, you know, for me, like remembering that I had to go through it too and giving a little bit of a break to people that are still trying to figure it out. Right. But also like there were not 
and I know you and I've talked about this before, like there weren't these tools that there are now. And I think like you are a fool if you're not leveraging tools like, um, like this book, like this podcast, like mentors who are willing to sit down with you and tell you like, Hey man, like, I know I'm just some 40 year old guy to you, but like, I I've done a couple things. I don't know everything, but like, you're kind of missing the mark. Like when you say and do X, everyone is thinking why. And it doesn't matter that you accomplish this other thing over here. Like this is still how it's coming off. You That's, know? Right. Like, That's right. And really trusting those people and those voices in your life that like, I think when I was younger, I felt like they were trying to, they were out to get me. Like everyone was out to get me. It's like, no one is out to get anyone. It's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not as sinister as I think I thought everything was. Yeah. And, uh, I talk about that a little bit in the book about, um, the spotlight effect, how when you're at a party and you're worried about looking and feeling weird and yes, that's how everyone's feeling. So yes. once you, once you just say, Hey, let everyone else feel that way, I'll be the good guy. You know, like I can just take it easy and I can start a conversation and I can have a good time. Even if this other person is freaking out about how do I start mm-hmm. a conversation? Who should I talk to? How do I look tonight? You know, whatever. So, um, you know, there, there's so much truth in just letting go, loosening up, and listening to older people's advice because you end up yeah. realizing it's true. But I don't know if it's true when you're 20. It's true when you're 40, you know? Like, <laughs> like is it possible for it to be true when you're 20? I, I don't know. Maybe those are the people they say are wise beyond their years or something. But it's. I think it's pretty hard for 40-year-old wisdom to be true at 20 years old. You know, you have yeah. to find it out. You have to test it. You've got to prove it to yourself and it takes a while, you know? Mm-hmm. I always think like the, the, the benefit of like, you know, picking up a, a book and some wisdom of like some of the stuff that you've taken the time to write down is it doesn't cost anything to try it. Right. And so it's like, may, maybe it is all just junk that old people believe, but it doesn't really cost you anything to spend, you know, a quarter Right. So three months just being like for three months, I'm just going to see what it would be like to like listen more than I talk in a meeting or <laughs> be making my like I'm always going to be five minutes early to everything. Like wake up I'm at 530 every to, day. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to initially my response to every idea is going to be positivity and then clarifying questions mm-hmm. as opposed to push back or trying to top it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like. What if you just tried it for and just and just let the data of how that's affecting your life, your relationships, how you're being perceived at work, let that speak for you. And maybe maybe because I think the truth gets to win. Right. So it's like um, if all this stuff is just junk, then you will quickly learn that. And if it's not, you're going to learn that, too. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to end on. So thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you you having this chat. So thanks. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with my friend Adam Smith. You can find him on Instagram with the username Adam Joel Smith, one word. And for more information on my book, please check out cluelessatthework.com.